Science fiction has helped society look to the future with shows like Star Trek, Doctor Who, and Battlestar Galactica. And movies like Star Wars, The Matrix, and The Avengers have helped us pioneer the use of new technologies and to never give up on the human spirit. Fantasy stories like The Lord of the Rings, The Chronicles of Narnia, and even the game Dungeons and Dragons have helped us look at the past with an open mind, but have led us to question the fundamental principles like good and evil, right and wrong, reality versus fantasy, and to question our morality versus our humanity. Cosplay has always blurred the lines between science fiction, fantasy, and reality. For those to participate in the hobby, advancements in technology have caused more and more people to participate in cosplay. With the addition of 3D and resin printers, it's even easier to make and mass-produce the costumes and props from our favorite TV shows and movies. To the public, the ever-expanding worlds of science fiction and comic book conventions have led to more and more cosplayer interactions. This podcast is your exclusive space for science fiction news. This podcast is your place to catch up on the world of fantasy. This podcast is your place to talk about the role of cosplay. This podcast is... The Galaxy Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me two people in our studio. It is me, Bob Christman, your host, as well as Austin the Inquisitor. Yeah. We gotta come up with a better name for you. Yeah. The Inquisitor sucks. Oh yeah. yeah. No, um. let's not do that. <laughs> so today we have two things to talk to you about because there's only two people in the studio. No, we're gonna make it really simple tonight. I finally got my son, I hogtied him down, and he watched Eternals tonight. So we're gonna talk about that to start off the podcast. And then the second half of our podcast, we're going to talk about the latest episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier for us, and that is Season 1, Episode 5, titled Truth. Okay, so I finally hogtied my son down. It was not that you hogtied me down. I, I worked too much. I did. I hogtied you down. You didn't want to go to the theater and watch this thing. No, because you had went and saw it, and you're like, yeah, there's no Black Knight. Yeah, no, it wasn't any Black Knight. I'm kind of like, that was the selling point for me to want to watch this movie. I know, because I kind of made it a selling point. But at the same time, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Let me ask you this. If you had a decision to go see Shang-Chi in the theater or this, which one would you have chosen? Can I choose option three, just stay home? No, you got to choose <laughs> one of the two to go see. <laughs> Somebody's uh, paying for you. Which one would you rather go see? I'd probably see Shang-Chi in the theaters. Okay. Just curious. I, I would have rather seen this in no the theaters. No offense. But. Up to the point of watching the film, there was no incentive for me wanting to watch this. I get it. You know, and it's, it's kind of interesting. The trailers didn't sell me on it. I didn't know enough about Eternals. Before we jump into this a minute, you know, somebody somebody made a point. It might have even been on Love with Crowder's show. <laughs> probably. About, you know, why would you make a film about the Eternals? Because they're such B-Marvel characters that nobody really knows who or what they are. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I could kind of understand that. I knew very little about Eternals. I actually had to do some research before we went to the theater because I knew some things, but not a lot. I think I own of like two or three Eternals comics, and they're very confusing. And one of them, they're all attacking Thanos. So it's like, yeah. I, I, that's the, all I the knew. The only thing I knew about Eternals was the Eternal Deviant conflict is the same as the New Gods and Apocalypse conflict. 
comic yeah, for it DC. Yeah, parallel for DC, so I'll agree. So you had to imagine me and my college buddies discussing who's the better gods, the Eternals versus the Deviants or the uh, Apocalyptic versus New Gods. And I'm sitting there going, you had way too much time in college, man. I didn't have that kind of time to debate. <laughs> we were doing this at like lunch. That. We're bored. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't have that kind of time to debate crap like that. I was too busy locked in a practice room learning instruments. Well, that's because uh, you were doing that. I was uh, I in media, so we're yeah, discussing media. That's what we were doing. So, you know, I, I really do question Marvel's, like, what are they thinking by bringing in the Eternals as early? I don't know. Hopefully it gets better as it goes. It wasn't awful, but it certainly was not... If walk this, I'm not sure it was worth the amount of money they put into the film. No, it walked this weird line of like, it kept, it did the Pulp Fiction, the thing that you hate the most. That it, I, I had to kind of walk through it a few times. Mm. We kept jumping to the past. Yes, and then we jumped to the future. Yeah, we jumped back to the past, and then we jumped back to the future. Now I will say this in a second watch, mm-hmm. it was a little better than the first watch because I was confused in the first watch by a lot of things, and mm-hmm. then I, I. Felt a little better this time around. I would probably have to watch it a couple of times, I think, more to really feel confident with, with my knowledge of mm-hmm. the film. Now, before we get into the synopsis real quick, just so people know, the budget for the film, ready for this, is how much they spent on the film. This, by the way, does not include any revenue for promotional and stuff like that. So oh, the it budget, doesn't? no. Anytime they do budget, it's non promotional. Okay. So they spent $200 million on the film. The box office cleared four hundred and two million worldwide. So it really only gained two hundred and two million dollars. Now I know a lot of people are like, Well, that's a lot of money. And it's Disney, and I get mm-hmm. it. But here's the thing Disney's used to clearing a lot more money than this on Marvel films. And when when Spider Man No Way Home, yeah, I'm gonna get the right correct name. <laughs> yeah, when it clears, name. I think the the end result is gonna be somewhere between Three quarters of a billion or close to a billion dollars, I believe, cleared when it's all said and done. But I also feel like it has that uh, gravitas after Endgame. It does. It feels like something that... It it does. And the sad part of this movie is there is a gravitas at the end of it. It's, it's just, just it took anticlimactic. So damn, right. It took so damn long to get there that it kind of like yeah, there, there was a bunch destroyed of, it. There was know? a bunch of things that kind of felt like... I spent the whole movie to watch that. Right? Not even that. It was like we got to certain points in the movie, and now we have the philosophy lesson we have to teach you. Yeah, true. And it's kind of like, uh, okay. All right, so let's get to it. So we're using our plot off of Wikipedia. Again, you can find this in our show notes. Uh, real quick before we start, don't forget if you're on YouTube or if you're on Rumble, hit that like button, slash, uh, you know, hit that notification bell. Uh, share this video, okay? And if you're on Rumble, rumble it, okay? So smash that rumble button. Yeah. Okay, so in 5000 BC, 10 super-powered Eternals... Ajax, Circe, Icarus, Kingo, Sprite, Fastus, Makari, Druig, Gilgamesh, and Thena are sent by the celestial Arishem to Earth to their star- on their starship, the Domo, to exterminate the invasive deviants. Now, I gotta admit, a lot of those names, I'd seen them before, I had no idea how to pronounce <laughs> them. And I was kind of like, oh, good. I'm glad you guys pronounced Thank them out loud. Thank you for uh, writing them out. <laughs> I, Fastos, I had kind of assumed was right. Sprite, I mean, you know, it, it's a soda, so it's kind of hard <laughs> to get that wrong, right? But uh, Icarus, I always thought was Icarus. So I, as a kid, that's what I thought. Well, you got to think of the same thing for, like, the, the Greek legend of Icarus. Which See, that's, is... I wasn't, as a child, I was not thinking that these are the Greek gods. So that's, well, I, I wish even... Marvel would be like, you know, these are the Greek gods. You know, and you'd be like, oh, now I get it. Okay. So, 
The last deviants are apparently killed in 1521 when the group's opinions differ over their continued responsibilities and relationship with humankind. Hang on. That's a simplification yes. of, like, the first third of the film. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Like, and that's the thing. Like, the first third of the film dragged on. I mean, like, it's it, <laughs> boring. I hate to say this. It, I fell asleep here when we yeah, watched it here. I heard you. I heard I your chair I fell rumble. asleep in the theater when we were watching it in the theater. Your mom got kind of mad at me about that one. I could see but mom like, pump, punching in the arm for that. here's the thing. Like, I... It, I even understood where they were going with the story, and I didn't even watch half of it. Like, <laughs> it kind of felt like, and I'm going to compare it to Star Wars for a second. It kind of felt like either most of the scenes with Luke in Last Jedi, or just as bad as the Gungan situation in Episode kind of. One. Like, it kind of, it was aimless. Like, it doesn't have anything really got, relevant to the plot. Well, other and than, it got predictable. Yeah. at one point, right? It's the droids episodes of the right. Clone Wars series. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so over the next 500 years, they mostly live apart, waiting for Arisham to tell them that they can leave. So let me get this straight. Why does Arisham have... have six eyes? Is that something that could be defined? Well, he's a celestial. Do he's, they all he's... have six eyes? No. No, 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 no. And there are – so the celestials themselves are – they're a long story in the Marvel Universe. And really, quite honestly, they they – they play a role, but they don't. See, yeah. the Celestials are supposed to be involved, but they're also kind of like the Watcher. Because I'll be honest, and I'm going to be brutally honest, the reason why I didn't want to watch Eternals is because I don't know A, as much about Eternals, or B, as much about the Celestials. The most I kind of know is little small drops here and there, but it's not... Yeah, see, the Eternals are... All right, first off, a lot of people don't know, created by Jack Kirby, which... He if you know anything about comics, you know he's a big deal, okay? Yeah. Um, they had been long been unknown with many species across the mainstream Marvel Universe. They were cosmic entities, and their nature was... They were revealed by the mysterious cosmic entity called Queen of Nevers. It was supposedly the beginning of creation itself, billions of years ago, before the current cosmic order. Creation was composed of a single and sentient universe whose omnipotent intelligence was referred to as the first firmament. For countless ages, the first firmament was the sole being in creation until its loneliness became unbearable. It decided to create the first life in creation and give its companions as well as servants an act that would later become in regret. These servants were cosmic beings of a lesser order of power that were two kinds, black and multicolored humanoid servants. The black servants did dutifully obeyed and worshipped their creator. They even created their own servants and sought to preserve the simple order their creator had made complete and unchanging for all time. The first firmament named these loyal beings aspirants and was very pleased with their goals and desire to maintain the status quo of its reign. However, the multicolored ones had completely different values and desires from the aspirants considered rebels by the first firmament. They wanted a dynamic, diverse, and continually evolving reality where beings lived, learned, reproduced, aged, and died in order to slowly improve themselves through evolution. The rebels wanted this with the ultimate long-term goal of producing superior cosmic beings with the power to create... Uni uh, universes of their own and for the universes to evolve with them as they advance towards that state. These were the beings with whom one day we would be called by lesser life forms, the Celestials. Now, that is a lot of information. That's a lot of info, but can I... Okay, so considering modern history, yeah, think about this for a minute. So mm -hmm. who is the first firmament? <laughs> think about religion. Who would first firmament well, it would be, be God. God, okay. It would be whatever God you believe is right. the one so in charge. God creates people. Mm -hmm. Gee, that sounds like what? 
Yeah. Genesis, Adam Genesis. and Eve, yeah. right? There's two types of people. There are those that worship the creator. Those who follow God and those who don't. And those who don't, who think that the world, ready for this one? Think about this one. They want the world to be a dynamic, diverse, and continually evolving reality. Kind of sounds Where like... Where beings live, learn, reproduce, age, and die in order to slowly improve themselves through evolution. This is going to jate me. What does that sound like? It sounds like a hippie at my college who was like, huh. peace, love, and free will, man. Yeah, well, isn't that the <laughs> socialist manifesto right there? Maybe. <laughs> Think about that. Diverse, continually evolving reality where beings live, learn, reproduce, and age and die to slowly improve themselves through evolution. So it's kind of like, hey, the only thing human beings can do is evolve, and that's what we must do. So, yeah. okay. By the way, that's Marvel's way of being anti-Christian. For those who don't know, uh, <laughs> it's the truth. I'm sorry. Oy. Stanley did not like religion, for those people that didn't know. And I'm really? pretty, I'm pretty sure Jack Kirby did not either. Well, it, at least they weren't like insulting and slapping the face. And saying, oh, they God's were, not but real. they were, they were, but they were more subtle, cut up, yeah, covert about it. Okay, so going on, this is now back to the plot of back to the movie, <laughs> back to our regularly scheduled program, away from our learning hour so, about celestials. In the present day, Cersei and Sprite live together in London. After Cersei's partner Icarus left her centuries earlier. She is now in a relationship with human Dame Whitman, who works at the Natural History Museum. And is also a major important thing that never got fully figured Right, that never even came uh, to fruition. But we'll get to that later. The trio are attacked by the deviant crow, with Icarus arriving and chasing the creature away. I didn't even know that deviant had a name, did nope, you? Nope, nope, nope. Huh. Huh. Would have loved to have something new. have that says that it speaks crow. <laughs> Or just like have an arrow above him that says crow. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the deviant yeah. crow. And I you know what that tells about... me? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so crow is later killed by Athena. He makes his first appearance in Eternal. He's based on a character of the same name. So apparently there was a character named that. Name. Uh, okay. See, I'm searching these things out. See, I'm learning as we go. <laughs> Concerned that the deviants have returned, the three Eternals travel to South Dakota to reunite with their leader, Ajak, only to find her dead. Why is she living in South Dakota? I was just about to ask that. Is South Dakota, like, a pl I don't know. <laughs> like, why would you choose South Dakota? I, I have to be honest. I have never driven through South Dakota. You have. I have. Is there anything really worthwhile there? Um, It's like Montana where we lived. So if you want to get to something, you're going to have to drive about three and a half to four hours to anything. But can you go 65 or more? Oh, yeah. You can go like 80 <laughs> miles an hour. Just ask mom. She was cranking that. We had a Chevy Charger out there. We went out there with Tara. And, yeah, that thing. You was... had said mom had gone like 80, uh, 90 in certain yeah, spots. We were going you... 90. And I kind of looked down. And your mom's like, what? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, Just... it was a Chevy Charger with like a six-cylinder engine. but it, still, it was, a, It was a Hemi engine, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Hemi. <laughs> and then she definitely put it to its paces, I'll tell you. But, yeah, South Dakota, middle of nowhere. And I get it. Like, maybe that's the goal. But like South Dakota, like all I, just, I know is she like you have gets, all the places in the world you want to go that get, you could live, and you choose South Dakota. We get towards I, the end of the film where we're kind of filling in gaps. All I know is she's riding up in a horse, and I'm just hearing the Yellowstone theme play. Yeah. <laughs> either, actually, either that or the ranch. I, I, I was I, thinking like, <laughs> <laughs> so you know I, that. So and part of me was like, you know, look, tumbleweed. Think of all the beautiful places you could go in the middle of nowhere that would look much prettier than South Dakota. And I'm not saying South Dakota is not pretty. No, but, but I'm saying you could go like to like clips of Ireland or Iceland you. You or could go even to Dover, right in the middle of nowhere. You <laughs> could go 
You could go to the Netherlands. You could go to New um, Zealand. You could go to that cliffside where Odin died. Right. Well, how about <laughs> wherever New, that was? How about New Zealand? Like where yeah. Lord of the Rings was filmed yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Beautiful. You could start, start learning to play the flute and no. play the Hobbit theme. No, no, no. We choose <laughs> South Dakota because that says Eternals to me. It says yeah. American. <laughs> yeah. America. So Cersei is posthumously chosen by Ajax as her successor. Granting her the ability to communicate with RHM. All I know is that the spirit thing that passes over, all I'm seeing is lung cancer. <laughs> well, yeah, like it was weird that it Have comes my out of their cancer. Right, like it comes out of their neck and it goes into her neck. And yeah, it was kind of like I was waiting for her to be like, I'm finally the leader now. <laughs> ah, you know, it's like, like right out of South Park. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm thinking of now. You know, like. <laughs> Ajax, pick me, suck it. <laughs> Poison the water hole. Take that, Icarus. <laughs> you know, like I'm just... a woman. <laughs> so the whole rest of the movie, I was a little perplexed. Like, why are we using that as our example of who's the well, lead? What? Well, well, not, not even that. Like, where you had it go? If you had it go with like center of the forehead, it would have been cool. It would have been. It's weird that it's going towards the chest. <laughs> and if you're gonna use women, maybe a little lower on the chest. I mean, I'm just suggesting uh... it as a guy. I'm, you know. It might I, sell I, movie, more movies for you, I'm just saying. I want to say something, but I, it's not inappropriate for a G audience. Well, yeah, so we're going to try to keep it G. I'm just saying, if you want to sell more tickets. There's the line. Just a suggestion. <laughs> so going on. Well, Seriously. that would change the rating from PG-13 to maybe R. Cause... I'm not saying naked. I'm <laughs> saying just lower, you know, cleavage area works. That's all I'm saying, you know. like Just saying, if you want to sell tickets, it might work. At least for the guys, anyway. So going on. Well, it might work for some <laughs> girls, too. Welcome to the 21st century. Yep. Cersei contacts Erishem and learns that the mission of the Eternals was not to fight the Deviants, but to prepare Earth for the emergence. Well, time out. The whole First off, I hate that term. Cersei contacts Erishem. I'm sorry. Did she? <laughs> I kind of thought like that was more like Erishem's like, uh, suck it, girl. Come here. Get right. over here. Yeah, get over here. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Like, wasn't it him that kind of... Not really. She initiated did it. Did she but initiate? I she initiated because she... she went out and did her oh, Jedi right. meditation. She was trying really hard, yeah. <laughs> she, she was went trying out to... to do her Luke, and it didn't work. <laughs> she went out to the tree where the one girl was, like, doing savage paintings. <laughs> you know, that would be a fun... We should play. We should play with videos. Oh, we no. should. We should have Luke sitting at his rock, and then all of a sudden, Erishem shows up. <laughs> And have him be like, what the? This I is not what that. I was looking for. I can do that. I it just would need be kind like, of fun. And then have him throw the lightsaber over the cliff. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have him doing the meditation. <laughs> well, I guess dun, I'm not a Jedi dun, anymore. Dun, dun. <laughs> I'm just a freaking robot. <laughs> throw I have the... come to give you your lightsaber <laughs> so, so that you right. may become a Jedi. So they're preparing for the emergence, which they basically tell them, oh, by the way, Celestial yeah. is living in your planet and it's going to come out and destroy everything. Oh, yeah. and, and That's just, all. Just have fun with that. All I know is, is this explanation felt like ego from <laughs> Guardians right? Two, right? I was lonely in the galaxy, so I went out and impregnated a bunch of women in this well, world. First off, okay, so I was thinking about this about the storyline with the Celestials, right? So yep. that means that, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. Your, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this down to science now. You ready? <laughs> Here goes some to science. I for am you. the science. So you impregnate the zygote. You <laughs> put the zygote in the planet and then you have to have intelligent and then you life. have to wait for the egg to crack open the planet and, and destroy the, the chickadee 
<laughs> Am I, like, well, the other thing is apparently right? you can't have a brain unless you have intelligent life, so you just have to make the planet also this, like, Coruscant utopia. <laughs> Whoa, am I wrong though? Is that pretty <laughs> nope. much? No, you're not wrong. Yes, that is correct. So now I have the question of what came first, the say the sentinel. Well, oh, yeah, right. Okay, so you're Century. you're where I am. Like, so the chicken or the egg, right? The <laughs> celestial or the planet? I mean, right? Like, that's that's where my brain went to. Like, which came first, the celestial or the planet? <laughs> Are they paired with a planet because of? I'm not even gonna go. Okay. <laughs> Let's just get away from the science. Let's leave that yeah, for Dr. That's, Fauci. That's, that's as much to science as we can handle tonight. I'm gonna leave that to the man who claims he is the science. Okay, so going on. Arishem explains that for millions of years he has been planting the seeds of celestials inside planets where the energy from large populations allows the celestials to be born. Can you imagine if you put one on a planet and like there's a large population and suddenly there's a plague? I don't know, like <laughs> COVID? Bubonic plague. <laughs> And then they're like, crap. <laughs> and he's All like, the energy's gone. Harris, well, I guess Harris, we lost that egg. Harris, you know? just like, looking above going, oh. Yeah. I didn't think this. Think about Arishem now. He's like, damn you humans. So, <laughs> Damn you mortal kind for being continually able to get getting plagues. Let me send my celestials damn to eradicate plagues. Damn you, Wuhan in China. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> the deviants. Re- <laughs> I apparently got a good laugh. Okay, so the Deviants were sent to destroy the apex predators of each planet to ensure the development of intelligent life. But when the Deviants evolved and began hunting the planet's native populations, Arishem created the Eternals to hunt them in turn. And so basically he made... I was kind of like... Made, uh, he made New Age Terminators. Well, okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to go one step further. So, so think about this for a minute. Mm-hmm. He sent the deviants to take care of the lead predators of each planet. Yes. They got intelligent. Well, basically, this is the whole you situation know, like evolution. Well, hang on. It's the whole situation where, like, okay, this country's having issue of flies. So they bring in frogs. So the frogs eat all the flies, but then they multiply like rabbits and never leave. Right, because there's nobody to hunt the frogs, right? Yeah. So it's. Yes, you're right. That's, that's kind of point. what happened here. But so I mean, that's okay. what exactly what happened. So I'm going to put this in science fiction terms. Maybe the people in the audience will understand better. They created the Predator. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the Predator got out of control, so they decided to send in a Terminator robot <laughs> to go after the Predator. And then Except now the Terminator versus... robot, great for this, right, yeah. has self-awareness. <laughs> wrong? Am I wrong? And like, also thermal a... vision just in right, general. Right. So am I wrong? Like, doesn't that pretty much explain the whole movie? I just yeah. explained Eternals using, well, Paramount's version of it, uh, basically. So that's, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Paramount. There you well, Get on it. Actually, I would love to see that. Predators versus Terminators. That actually would be a good movie, I think. <laughs> was it? We're no, doing no. it wrong. Don't it, do Aliens was, and Predators. Do Predators aliens. and... and Terminators. That would be hard. The matchup of the scorpion. Right. Like it would be great. I think it would be cool. I think it would be a real. Come on. Come on. Get on my boat. That's a $200 million idea right there. Hey, look. (laughs) If Disney can do it, hey, why not? So going on. Uh, With the reversal of the blip, which like barely (laughs) is mentioned in this movie at all. Yeah, it's mentioned once by. Ajak, right? I still want to know why do we have a main character, one of the main characters named after Dish Soap? Well, that's because uh, the comic book character was named after Dish Soap, by the way. Jack Kirby, what were you thinking? Uh, he was cleaning dishes one night. Was like, hey, there's a character. Here's a good name. So yeah. <laughs> so the blip. I was kind of like, how could you not talk about the blip? You know, in every other Marvel story, the blip's a major deal, yeah, right? But, not but to the Eternals. They're, they're just kind of like, eh, 
a bunch of humans died. Oh, the well. Eternals live for 5,000 years. They're like, no, oh, well. <laughs> so with the reversal of the blip, Earth has reached the necessary population for the birth of the celestial Tiamat, which will result in Earth destruction. Hoping what? to... Yeah, go Who ahead. decides these names, Tiamat? Um, that was Tum-e-a-ite. Backwards, yeah. So they didn't know what to do with that, so they made it Tiamat. I don't know. It's probably a Native American name or something. I'm not quite sure. I'm sure somebody's going to like, you're racist. It's Stop actually like that. Okay. It's actually Swedish. Hashtag wokeness. Okay, going on. Cancel culture. Hope, hoping to delay the emergence, the group reunites with the other Eternals. Yeah. Well, after uh, what's his face, Edgy Miglord, uh, I want to end all war and make people peaceful. I want to end all. Druig. Yeah, he just goes, Yeah, I'm going to leave. See you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, going on, because that's the next guy they mention here. At yeah. Druig's residence in the Amazon rainforest, they are attacked by the deviants and kill all of them except Crow, who kills Gilgamesh before fleeing. Yeah, and then we have uh, the war veteran who's having PTSD, female. Attack Icarus for no reason. Well, okay, so what do you think was really going on the whole time there? So you're talking about Thena and the things that were going on with her. What What do you think was really going on with her? Well, two things is what I'm thinking on. One, she she is Thena, who is the Athena, the goddess of war. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like war has been too much on her. But the other thing is I think that when he says that memories were taken and erased and stored, I kind of feel like they're taken and stored, but maybe not erased all that well, and that's what's going on. She's got like multiple different lifetimes colliding together. See, now here's the way I interpreted it, and I kind of maybe it's because I knew what I knew about the Celestials before I walked in. Mm-hmm. By the way, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen the movie by now, whatever you're here, you're while you're listening to this podcast, you should know. If, if not, you, you should, should have already watched right. it. I I saw her as a robot that was having an error code four four. Thank you. Yes. That had somehow uh, their <laughs> programming got messed up on, right? Like that's yeah. the way I saw it. Yeah. I saw her as a robot where the programming got messed up. They didn't know what to do. Gilgamesh was just basically trying to keep her well, going. Gilgamesh was turning into Black Widow. Hold my he hand. was kind of. He was. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of awesome, but it was also kind of like this feels incredibly gay. Well, yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> There's so many scenes in this where I'm kind of like. Who wrote this? Who did that? Oh, we have like, the big. We, that was one of them. We have the really smart, intelligent, like developing fancy machines, and they're like, "Yeah, this is too advanced for the people who have just gotten the wheel." Right. And he's like, "Yeah, now I'm gay." And it's just like, "Yeah." So when did that happen? <laughs> Fastus proposes the Unimind, a connection between all the Eternals that would give Druig enough power to put Tiamat to sleep with his mind control powers. I still love the fact that when they're doing this, mm-hmm. he puts up Unimind. Everyone's like, "This is a stupid name," and every, like, everybody's like, "We're gonna come up with a better name." Who's the guy who does like the finger blasting? Oh, I really yeah. shouldn't say it like that, but it's the best. Well, way that's to do. really what he does. He's he treats his fingers like they're guns. They're like yeah. guns. Is that Kingo? I think that does that. Yeah, Kingo, because he's also an actor in right. Bollywood with Kingo as a name. Right. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of things in this where I was kind of like, we we really. Well, he kind of he out. brings up the idea, brainstorm, brainstorm. That might work, and it's like, no, yeah, that's, that's just not what we're bad. talking about. <laughs> so you know, I I I liked the idea of using Druig right to put oh yeah Tiamat to sleep, but I was kind of like, then I, what? It sounds stupid, but at the time I looked at my watch in the theater and I kind of went, isn't this supposed to be a two-hour movie? Like it was like. 
That seems we, so easy. We, you we've know, like, seemed to get to the conclusion. We've already right. discovered the Death Star and the, ex, and the right. exhaust port, and we're right. It's, it's half. We're not even halfway. It's like the film. we're we're you know forty five minutes to an hour of a new hope, and Luke <laughs> Luke's already flying towards the Death Star. Yeah, we're, we're in the trench run already, <laughs> and you're kind of like, where? Uh, I hope Vader doesn't show up for a while, because otherwise yeah. it's gonna last a long while. Uh, maybe so, he might get shot down. Now he has to run up with a this, grenade. This is where I had issues. So the early part dragged on, and then mm-hmm. I kind of felt like this part dragged on. So, however, Icarus reveals that Ajax told him of the emergence centuries before. Yep. When Ajax suggested to him six days earlier that they try to stop the emergence, he led her to the deviants and, not wanting to betray Arishim, let them kill her. All I know is it turned into him like looking at her going, long live the king, and then push her off. It did feel very lion. Yes, I've been trying to figure out what that feels like. help me. You're right. It felt very Lion King-esque. You're right. And, and like, I knew something big was going to happen here because it was just too easy for well, it to end. I, I even looked at it and went, three, two, one, push. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just looked over and was like, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> so Sprite joins Icarus due to her in unrequited love for him while Kingo chooses to leave, as he does not wish to stop Tiamat's birth or fight his teammates. Well, he doesn't want to stop Tiamat's birth because he's like, well, Tiamat might Because he's a wimpy little <laughs> biatch, okay? I'm sorry. I really That's the one thing I that didn't like. That is the like. best way to put that. I'm sorry. I didn't like Kingo well, t- for that very reason. Yeah, he he, he very basically wimpy. tries to say, well, Tiamat is a sentient. Uh, a sentient. Celestial. A celestial. My, bleh. Anyways, basically because he's that, that he could be able to create worlds and galaxies, and that would mean that we're ending life before it begins. And it's kind of like, oh, so you're trying to say this. But I also think he was trying to say, listen, it's a celestial. Who the heck are we to mess with celestials, right? Like, Yeah, but it's going to destroy a planet. <laughs> I know. I agree with you. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But, you know, like. <laughs> but No, that's the end of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> well, there and, you go. And yet again, I kind of feel like, okay, so all the love interest in this movie felt all of it. All of it, all of it felt forced. I would even say Icarus, or not Icarus, Icarus and um, Cersei felt forced. I felt it felt forced. But Cersei and Dane felt kind of natural. Hang on. Hondo pointed something out that nobody had noticed, and I'm kind of glad he noticed it. He was the first person other than myself, because I noticed it when I saw it in the theater. We had our first ever love scene in a Marvel movie. Yeah, actually, yeah. Between yeah. Uh, Icarus and... No, we we had one. Iron Where? Man 2. Between who? <laughs> oh, no, it was like Iron Man 1 or Iron Man 2, the reporter and uh, Tony Stark. Were they We had them doing fo- it? They were doing it, and then he rolled off the bed. Oh, yeah. And then the laughing... <laughs> <laughs> it might have been right. I, just I don't know. Yeah, that just was. felt like the very first love scene. I think he might be on to something there. I'll have to check the it's Iron more, Man. One. It's a more like passionate love scene. Iron yes. Man's one's kind of a drunken, stupid yeah, night. A, yeah, a drunken, <laughs> stupid kind of thing. But you know, I just. But again, every and again, I know there are people who are like, "Oh my gosh, she's against the gay thing." It's not that at all. No, they all felt forced. No. I'll even say, I'm sorry, the Black Knight and. I, it it felt forced if, having Dane and having uh, Cersei. It felt forced. It just did. Cersei and Dane felt a little more natural. A little more natural. A little but more it natural. Still felt forced. It still felt forced, but it felt more natural. Icarus and Cersei. I don't know if it's because of bad edits. It just felt like he walks up and is like, "I am yours," and it goes, "Um, yeah." Like, when did you guys date? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> Who are already jumping to, I'd rather be able to... I don't um, know. I felt like they needed to have more time to create that story. Yeah, like maybe, maybe again they're trying to tell too much in a short amount of time. But then again, this movie moves so freaking slow. I don't understand how maybe, that's possible. Maybe but. we need need to try to divulge a a, a romantic relationship between Icarus and uh, I don't Cersei. Know, maybe remove that as an item. I think it's just poor writing. So going on, <laughs> Makari locates the place of the emergence, an active volcano in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, Makari also doesn't talk, so she doesn't. Well, she's she's deaf, or no mute. 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 Sorry, she's mute. Sorry, you're right. Because I did, she did try to scream. She did but try it, to scream. It came yeah. off kind of like the doctor. So anyway, so in the Indian Ocean, where Icarus and Sprite attempt to stop them, which we knew that was going to happen, yeah. Jurig knocks out Sprite and Fastos restrains Icarus while Crow arrives and is killed by Thena. Mm-hmm. Which that like really, that scene took a while to kill Crow. Druig is unable to put Tiamat to sleep, and Cersei instead attempts to turn him into marble. Yeah. Which was interesting because my son's like, what's he doing? Is he turning it into rock? And when it I looked went to like the, steel at When first. I went to the theater, I thought it was rock too, even right up to the very end, Austin. And then this time I finally saw the marble look of it. But the marble was weird looking. I don't yeah, know. It didn't that look was right. It didn't look right. So Icarus breaks free of his restraints and goes to kill Cersei, but finds himself unable to do to his love for her. Both he and Sprite join with the others in the uni mind, and Cersei gains enough power to turn Tiamat into marble. Guilt-ridden, Icarus flies into the sun. Why? I don't know. Like, like that whole scene where she just like says, I'm sorry, and then takes off into the stars? Into the, into the sun. I did not well, understand the, my why. My thing is, is the music cue they're playing doesn't fit the scene. I'm, no. so, I'm going to be hearing Superman's theme. Well, and supposedly he does it because of guilt, right? Over what? Because you killed a celestial? Because you betrayed your friends, because you tried to let the planet die and serve but, a master. That oh, by the way, because die. they don't say any of this anywhere in here, because this was the big reveal. Mm. The Eternals are not gods. They are not beings of any sort, for that matter, by the it way. Like, they're robots. They're robots. That were created by the Celestial that sent them, which is Arishem. Yep. So they're basically... A walking, talking T-1000 experiment. That's why I said it would make more sense for the T-1000s to be going after the Predators. So, again, they don't even mention that. I feel like I should... Maybe I should be editing Wikipedia. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. They would not like me. So, anyway, (laughs) you know, they kind of left... We're going to leave that part out. I don't know yeah. why. That's like the most important part of the whole flipping film, but yep. okay. Yep. So going on, at Sprite's request, Cersei uses the remaining energy from the uni mind to turn Sprite into a human, ending her permanent childlike state. I was about to ask this question, but I, I figured it would be answered. Is her chest, <laughs> the symbol on her chest, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to do that just because she's a woman, the symbol on her chest was still glowing. I'm sitting there going, um, I think you need to get that looked at. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, thinking that and went, I shouldn't say that. Here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. She's short. Really short. Yeah. Like childlike short. Yeah. Do you think she'll ever be able to be a real human? I mean, she's a freaking sprite, man. It's not going to, I don't know. At this point, it you consider just, her middle school based on age. <laughs> right. And mentality, for that matter. The way yep. she acts is and kind the way, of a big the part way of she it thinks too. that uh, a dating relationship works. And I'm sorry, that felt so Pinocchio esque, you know, like Well, it was Well it, no, I got my you know, I got my arms, yay, you know, like whatever. 
I don't know. The whole thing that again, another weird moment, right? Like I understand we had two for the whole scene happening. Like we didn't have any effects, just they're holding hands and then we widen out. And they're not even really holding hands, they're just kind of touching hands. uh, Like like what would have been better is it sounds dumb. Yellow aura. Just have a yellow something. magic aura. Like, Do something. <laughs> Marvel comic frames had more color to them than that scene. Thena, <laughs> I'm just going on. Thena, oh. Druig, and Makari depart on the Domo to find Eternals on other planets and warn them of the emergences while Circe, Fastos, and Kingo remain on Earth. Oh, so we're doing Rebels. We're going to split the team up. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> and, and, you know, at the end, they're like, the Eternals will be back. I'm like, yeah, which group, though? Yeah, no, group I'm serious. A like, or like, group like, B, the one on the planet, or the one that just took off? Like they don't really tell you much about that. Yeah. So going on, Dane professes his love for Cersei, which kind of like, duh, right? And it's about Cersei. She's not bad looking. <laughs> yeah, and is about to reveal a secret about his family history when she, Fastus, and Kingo are dragged into space by Erishem. By oh. the way. That is the creepiest way to have Arishem right. show up. Is all of a sudden you no, just look I loved up at it the... though. That was really cool. Well, it's it's very cool, but all of a sudden you look at the sky and there's, and there's six this... eyes. Right. There's six suns in the sky. Actually, that harkens back to there is a couple cells where that happened, where where Arishem showed up and it was just his face in the sky. I actually kind of liked have it. Come and... f- to yeah. claim your world. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so <laughs> and by the way, there's there's another moment in Marvel Comics lore where the same thing happened, but it wasn't Arishem. Well, it was Galactus. Galactus showing up just like that. Yep, exactly. So all I know is is that, and then all of a sudden the clouds just like part. I'm like, now God. Do you know what Dane was about to reveal to Cersei, which I think uh, would have been huge? That he is a long lineage of the Black Knight. Well, yes, that not just well. Okay, so the lineage of his former selves. Okay, mm-hmm. so his father's father's father or whatever it is was the very first guy to actually own that sword right he was known throughout the galaxy as a a black knight and that's what i think he was about to reveal to her mm-hmm. so going on displeased with their trees and Arishem says he will spare humanity if the eternals memories show that humans are worthy of living so basically, he's going to search through their robotic minds and yeah, make sure like, that's the case. We're going to check your memory, see if you are truly seeing yeah. things clearly. Oh, there's a RAM problem. I'm sorry. We couldn't find up that memory. <laughs> oh, no. The the data was corrupted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Clintons <sighs> tried to bleach the servers. Dang black hatters. <laughs> so vowing to return for judgment, he takes the trio with him into a singularity. In a mid credit scene, <laughs> Tina, Makari, and Druig meet the eternal Eros, Thanos' brother. More importantly to you all, Star Fox, which they're leaving out here, and his assistant, Pip the Troll, who offer their help. Is Eros really Thanos' brother? Because they do yes. not look anything alike. Yes, they are brothers in the Marvel Universe. Oh my gosh. So right. Pip the Troll, by the way, was voiced by Patton Oswald, if you recognized that voice. And he is based on the character of the same name in the Marvel Universe. This was the very first time we have seen him, which is a big deal. And the fact that we see Eros, uh, Thanos' brother, is a big deal as well. By the way, it's Harry Styles playing him, if you weren't both of these, of that. Both those outfits, when they showed up, I seen them like, wow, those are like ripped right off the... Uh, yeah, they were. 
like right off a comic book. They yeah. looked really good, and I'm I'm impressed. The I, Star Fox one was pretty cool. I did like that. Pip Control looked really accurate. Matter of fact, the minute he stepped into the light, I went oh, Star Fox. My wife goes, "Who? <laughs> what's he? What's he?" I'm like, <laughs> "You'll see." I'm like. <laughs> So that that would be a mom response. Yeah, she was probably like, what are you talking about? You're getting giddy like, oh, it's Star Fox. Well, I, it's Star I was Fox. getting giddy because I was expecting the sex, second scene, but this was the first one. I know, but you were, so, you're you're having your fat man dance. I was. You could see that. And you're like, oh, I know that. That looks yep. amazing. And mom's over there looking at you going, what is wrong? What's going you? on? So in another <laughs> post credit scene, Dane opens a case containing the ebony blade. And an unseen person questions whether he is ready for it. By the way, I've done my research. It has been confirmed. The unseen person, the voice that you hear going, are you ready to do that? Are you is sure that about that? Is that a blade? All I know is, is two things I have to say about Dane's character. I love everything yeah. like that. One, I love Kit Harrington's haircut. Yeah, it was the, nice. the short haircut does him well. When he did uh, Jon Snow with the longer hair, eh. Not terrible, but I like the shorter haircut. Two, the emotion about not wanting to open the case hmm. felt kind of real. <laughs> well, it was kind of creepy, right? It was kind of like this moment. Like, so I, I want to talk about Thunder when he was going up to the case, too. I want to talk about the Ebony Blade for a minute because there's a lot of history behind this blade, and I just clicked on it, and I just think it's really important for you guys to hear this. The blade was shown to have been carved from a meteor and enchanted by the wizard Merlin, for Sir Percy of Scandia, the first Black Knight, due to all of the blood that Sir Percy shed with the blade, it acquired a curse. The sword passed down through the generations until it came to Sir Percy's descendant, Dane Whitman. Dane used the blade for many years. It passed briefly to Valkyrie when Dane's body was turned to stone. Remember I told you that, right? Yeah. And his soul sent back to time to the 13th century, but we soon returned to him. Due to the curse, Dane eventually gave up the ebony blade by driving it deep into the same meteor that it was forged from, now residing in his castle. Only another deemed worthy would be able to draw it out. And then so, it goes into, like, whole different things. So it kind of becomes yeah. the uh, Excalibur of the Marvel Universe. Well, it absolutely is the Excalibur, literally. That's why it's kind of funny when a, when Thena, they ask her, you got the ebony blade, and she swings around and goes, no, oh, it's, it's Excalibur. Excalibur. So like, if you know like anything subtle. about Marvel lore, it was kind of like a subtle, ha-ha, it's the same thing. It's, it, like, it's yeah. a different blade. Yes, well, but they no. were also saying, like, yeah, Arthur did like Athena a lot more. I'm like, right. Well. So, all right. So let's just kind of, like, generally talk about this a minute. So I first off, I want to talk about the future of Marvel and where I think they're going with all this. So based on some of the things that I'm seeing now, I, I think we're about to enter a phase where we're going to see – Two different Marvel teams that completely are, are of completely different makeups. Okay, mm-hmm. I think your next Marvel team, it, it's it's going to be the first team that you're going to see, is going to be actually a, a more classic Marvel team. I think you're going to see. I'm guessing here. So this is all. I'm not. This is all conjecture. This is from my point of view. This is. Uh, I think you're going to see conspiracy. the the Marvel team that consisted of Ant Man and Wasp. It's going to have Vision and Scarlet Witch. It's going to have the Black Knight, T'Challa. Well, it'll be T'Chaka or whatever, whoever they decide to do now, because mm-hmm. it was supposed to be T'Challa. I think you're going to see Star Fox part of that group. And I think you'll see either the female Thor, which had been done, or you could potentially see Beta Ray Bill. Ooh. One Ooh. or the other. So one what or the other. In Love would and work Thunder, we have the hammer I'm, pass I'm, off. I and do then- think. 
we pass Stormbreaker off to Beta Rebuild. That's what I think is going to happen. Ooh. Yes. So I think Ooh. the the hammer goes to Ooh. female Thor, and and I do think Beta Ray Bill ends up overwatching um, the the what's the other one? Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Thank you. Well, technically, Stormbreaker's in Thor's hand at the moment. But Correct. I'm but I'm it's saying just, it's going to they get reforge on. Mjolnir and yes. uh, yeah. Pass and then on pass on the other one Stormbreaker. to Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. And then so maybe that, maybe Thor takes up his mantle as king of uh, Asgard. Maybe. So that would be the 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 next Mar- Avengers team. Now I don't think that's it though. See, everybody mm. I think you know is like, well, wait a minute, what about this stuff? I think that's going to be a Marvel team that does. It's a one and done kind of thing, right? Like I think there's going to be some massive thing in the universe. Maybe they go after RSM. I'm not quite sure. Maybe but I they think go it's after be... uh, searching up things like in the universe. I don't know. Planets suddenly disappearing yeah. and they run into the right. Silver Surfer. So they're trying to follow. So maybe that's him. that. I do think there's another Marvel team being spun up, though, too. I think you're going to see a, a Marvel team, or, sorry, an Avengers team, that, that's going to be the more progressive Avengers team. So now you're talking about your the, new Black, yeah, the new Black Widow, the Captain America with no. An- Anthony Mackie, which we're going to talk yeah. about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see who Sam am Wilson, I missing? Captain America. Thank you. Who else am I missing here? You uh, might see Bucky White in Wolf, that group. Bucky. Yeah, White as White Wolf. And there's going to be others, I think, within that group. It's going to be different. It'll be a different Avengers. So I think you might see like either two different Avengers or just one Avengers that gets done. The next, I think you're going to see multiple Avengers in this phase. That's my guess. Yeah, we're going to kind of walk the line between the West Coast Avengers versus the other Avengers, and you could even walk in the Dark Avengers and using correct. Um, and I also think the. Guardians are going to play a major role because of Arrow showing up now. So for people who don't know, of course, we've introduced Adam Warlock up till this point. He was I think at he's... the end of Guardians 2. Correct. So he and Eros have a history, by the way, if you didn't know that. So I think that'll be an interesting thing that'll play out probably in the Guardians movie as well. There's a lot to come yet, I think. All right, so let's talk about this movie. We'll rate it. Um, I'll go first since I saw the movie first. Yeah. It's not a spectacular movie. Honestly, I think you could get away with watching a previously on <laughs> and and sum up the Eternals and you'd be just fine and get just enough out of it without having to have watched this movie. Honestly, I'm just being honest about that. So is it an eight for me, nine, even ten? No. Uh, unfortunately for me, even as good as this movie was and it was okay, uh, I probably would only give it a link at four. Uh, it's not spectacular. There's just too many things that go against it. The 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 love scenes, all of them, all of the love interests seemed so forced. It falls flat. And it's like even they even tried to do one between Druig and Makari, and it felt forced. <laughs> and it just it's like every single like if somebody gave batty eyes to another person, I was gonna reach in the screen and be like, <laughs> no, you know, like because it was just like I was so over seeing all that. I was so over the drama made about the gay kiss. It really wasn't that big a deal first. And second of all, it was awful. I mean, as far from a directing standpoint, it was awful. It didn't, I mean, am I wrong? It felt forced. It felt unreal. It felt unrealistic. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. it, it, I'm sorry. It did. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. Like, it just felt so weird. Uh, it was not a broke back moment moment. It was more like a I'm gonna kiss my pillow moment, and it felt like that. <laughs> and then there were just giant plot holes that oh, just yeah. never seemed to get filled in. I felt like it's weird. I felt like the movie moved slow and way too fast all at the same time. I don't know how to explain that to people unless you've seen it. 
and to say basically it's just poor writing. I think what was really what boils down to maybe they were trying to do too much in one movie. I'm not quite sure. But I felt like for the 200 million they spent on this movie, they didn't, they didn't get, really get the product out of it that they should have gotten out of it. And it's kind of a shame because this could have been a big deal. It was an all-star cast. I just not sure that the all-star okay. I think the all-star cast was wasted on a group of Marvel characters that nobody knew anything about. Yeah, save your all-star cast for, like, the next Avengers situation. I, yeah, I would have saved your all-star cast for X-Men, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Something bigger, not this. This just wasn't worth the all-star cast you shoved into it. The actress who played Athena. Yeah. She could be a perfect Invisible Woman. I have been saying that. That's, she, by the way, yeah. Angelina Jolie. Oh. And she's rather nice looking. She, I really like her, by the way, in uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. If you've never seen that movie, go watch it because she was great in that. She also was not uh, a bad girl. She was in that Tomb Raider. She was in Tomb Raider. Ah, uh, yes. And she, she did a pretty good job with that, too. So yeah. she's got a history of some decent movies. She also has some crazy movies that are a little odd. But, you know. Not everything Angelina Jolie touches is great, but most of it is pretty good. Yeah. All right, so what were your thoughts in this movie? You and I were around the same point. I was thinking a three. A three, wow. A little lower, yeah. okay. Um, it, again, there are things that fell flat. As you had said, the whole let's have everyone have a love uh, affair with somebody fell flat. Lion King asked, like, I'm going to push you into the cave yeah. of snakes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I saw that coming. I even counted it down when it went to happen. It was obvious. Uh, there's just some things, and, like, the main thing I can point out is it, it walks this line of doing what uh, the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 did, where it's like, oh, I own both the creation of domestic terrorism as well as the solution to domestic terrorism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know how to create the galaxy's greatest fears and then turn around and make the galaxy safe again. Yeah, I think it might have like kicked open the door oh, on yeah. Celestials, but maybe a little in a in too weird of a way. I think they needed to build up to it more. Yeah, well, that and there's a couple other things I was really hoping for. I really wanted to see more of like them fighting deviants and maybe having more of like a deviant army that they have to fight right. to save London, or they have to save all of the continent of the U.S. So they've created this area where they're going to battle an entire army of them and then you have the Black Knight come in and finish one of the last ones and you end the movie there just for the teaser. I didn't like the idea of the emergence. I don't know. That just seems like too big of a thing to happen. Well, it kind of felt inappropriate. You're saying that you're going to have a gigantic uh, uh, celestial pop out of a planet. Yeah. That you seeded the worlds around and I'm just thinking this is inappropriate for a kid. And I'm going to have to check timelines in this because they didn't reference anything like that in Spider-Man. So if that happened after this movie, that's kind of odd to not even talk about it. Like, not even in a TV yeah, like, screen like, in the background yeah. or something. I don't know. just seems disconnected. Yeah, the fact that the news channels are picking it up going, look at this uh, weird uh, yeah. rock formation that seems to have eyes. And you know what's really weird was they didn't bring any humor in until almost the very end. End yeah, with the, it with was the kid, uh, and I was kind of like, you could, you know, I get well, there was even, a lot going on, but that to me, Marvel movies have always been pretty balanced, right? There's some humor, there's some action, there's some seriousness, there's some sort of social message they're trying to send. All that stuff's pretty balanced. I don't feel like it felt like it was balanced here at all. This movie feels like the uh, version point five of the script that became 
Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home or No Way Home. Well, I kind of... Okay, so here's the other one I'll, I'll liken it to. When they first did the Ant-Man movie, from my understanding, the script was awful. And they made the movie. They put it in front of a test audience. And the test audience went, nope. Boring. So they went back and redid the whole movie. By the way, if you didn't know that, that actually happened. There was an Ant-Man film prior to the Ant-Man that came out. And from what I'm understanding, the audience basically poo-pooed it, the test audience. And they went back and basically scrapped the thing and started over. Well, they didn't scrap all of it, but a majority of it. And so I think it's kind of interesting because I kind of wonder if this would have been the scrapped film if we had not had COVID going on and they had, and had they put like, it in front of a test audience that they might have rethought what they were doing. I, I just I really do I kind of feel possible. like at that point this was what was going on is we're not making money in theaters. We're trying well, to I, we're, we're trying to make movies, but we're not going to make money in theaters. So let's just make I, this film. All it fails, we throw it out there. It doesn't do well. I think it was, we need to get this movie out there, and reshoots are just not going to happen. Because yeah, it's of COVID at the time, it was too much to try to deal with. Yeah. Okay, so those are our thoughts on The Eternals. We'd love to hear from you. Again, you can email us at gallifcast at gmail.com. You can find us on MeWe, Parlor. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube and Rumble. Um, you know, search for us there. We'd love to hear from you and hear what you have to say. And if you have something good to say, we'd love to read it on the show. Okay, with all that in mind, we're going to be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about the next episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm, time for a break, it is. Return in a moment, we will. <laughs> I'm after the Death Star plans. Kenner's Star Wars large-size action figures sold separately with movable arms and legs. C-3PO, R2-D2. Han Solo and the Stormtrooper. You'll never find the planned Stormtrooper. You can push R2-D2's secret button to open his hidden compartment. Plans are safe and the Stormtrooper's gone. Thanks, Han. I didn't get this medal for nothing. Large-size Stormtrooper, R2-D2, C-3PO, Han Solo, each sold separately from Kenner. He was born on the planet Caprica to his father, Joseph, a civil liberties lawyer, and his mother, Evelyn, who was an accountant. He was named after his de deceased older half-brother, as it is in Torin tradition. During the first Cylon War, he was a new Academy graduate during year 10 and was assigned to the newest battle star in the colonial fleet called the Galactica. He earns the call sign Husker from his co-pilot Coker, which is an Aurelian term for Hick. He successfully pilots a Raptor, taking a civilian engineer into the hostile Cylon territory. Not long after, he is assigned a Viper and joins a Special Ops Joint Task Force unit. During this time period, our hero finds out that a female Raptor pilot that he was involved with, named J.C. McGavin, had died when her control console exploded. He was on board the Galactica during the last week of the Cylon War and recalls the moment that 2,000 men died when the Cylons boarded and depressurized the ship. During a battle on the last day of the first Cylon War, our hero come, becomes upset by what the Cylons do to the Battlestar Columbia, so he pursues two raiders into a planetary atmosphere, but is forced to eject because of a collision. After engaging in a mid-air gunfight, he lands and discovers a Cylon lab where they are experimenting on humans. He couldn't evacuate the humans, and when he radioed for help, he was told that an armistice had been reached with the Cylons but the Cylons still had whatever they were developing in their possession. After the first Cylon War, he married a woman named Carol Ann and had two sons, Zack and Lee. During this time, he served as a commercial fighter pilot and meets a lifelong friend, Saul Tigg. 
During this time, he used Caroline's connections to get himself reinstated to the position of major in the colonial fleet, and subsequently got Saul reinstated to the fleet as well. He later ended up divorcing Carol Ann. He served as a major on the Battlestar Atlantia, then an executive officer on the Battlestar Columbia, until he finally earned his first command aboard the Battlestar Valkyrie, where Saul Tig also served as his XO. Three years before the destruction of the Twelve Colonies, our hero was ordered to command the Valkyrie to go across the Armistice Line into Cylon territory to surveil. They were caught, and our hero shot down the stealth starship to prevent its capture. Both of his sons followed in its footsteps and became Viper pilots. Lee excelled in the cockpit, while Zack struggled, and while in training, Zack started a secret relationship with his pilot instructor, Kara Starbuck Thrace. To that end, Thrace ended up passing him in basic because of her feelings for his son, Zack. During an operational flight, however, his son Zack crashed his Viper and died. This became part of the contention between our hero and his other son, Lee. During this time, our hero also met Kara Thrace, which began their father and daughter-like relationship. Two years after Zack's death, the Battlestar Galactica was about to become a museum ship when the Cylons launched a surprise attack on the 12 colonies of Kabul, incapacitating a majority of the colonial fleet. He insisted that the Cylons were using their own CNP computer systems against the colonies, and therefore insisted the program never be uploaded into the system of the Battlestar Galactica, and his instincts proved to be right. Our hero insisted that the colonies needed to stand and fight, and began to arrange a counterattack. This began the Second Cylon War that led to New Caprica and the Second Exodus. If you haven't figured it out by now, our hero is Admiral William Adama of the Battlestar Galactica. And now you know the rest of the Galaxy Cast story. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Welcome back to the Galaxy Cast. What if he doesn't survive? And we're back. That's right. We've been gone for all of two seconds, at least for us. For you, it's been longer. Yes. So we're going to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're Falcon. now getting close to the end of the series, a season one, episode five, titled To Ruth. And it feels like we're getting close to the end of the series. This one, correct me if I'm wrong, this felt like a filler episode. What do you think? Not really, actually. Really? It kind of felt like it was wrapping up one thing and setting up the next thing, yeah. and it felt like a buddy film. <laughs> no, I felt like it was a very much a filler episode. No, 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 no. We had a nice little conversation between uh, Bucky and uh, Sam about 
Nah. The, like, the, there's some deep conversations, but yeah, you're kind of right. It was a bit of a, a wonk episode, if you're yeah. really thinking about the major plot when points. When you look at all the other major plot points, this one kind of wraps some up, but then it kind of left you with like yeah, we, not much we, going on. I was going to say, we could sum this up in four sentences. Again, but... like I said, you could do a previously on, like we did with well, Eternals. Yeah. You could do is take a couple of these scenes, pull them out, set them aside. Like, Maybe. you could take the John Walker scene, cut th- it down for... I think you could have combined five and six into a one one-hour arc as opposed to a, what was it, 40-minute arc for this one and a 50-minute arc for the next one. Yeah, like, water down a couple of things mm-hmm. or simplify them. And, yep. Uh... Yeah. All right, so here's the synopsis. Wilson and Barnes demand the shield from Walker, leading to a fight in which Walker destroys Wilson's wingsuit. That's a simplification of a really... Probably the best part of the whole... The whole, yeah, we got to see Bucky and so Bucky, Sam go at it. Well, with, it was against Walker. Right, it was Bucky and Sam against Walker. It was this the fight scene I think everybody wanted to see, mm-hmm. and it's exactly what it was. And honestly, I think it lived up to the hype that that fight scene did. The only thing I know they wouldn't have done, but it would have been awesome, is the whole right at the end of Captain America: Civil War, where it's Steve and Bucky throwing the shield back and forth against Iron Man. Yeah, I get and what you're saying. beating the crap at him with it. I know why they wouldn't do that, and that's because Sam has no experience throwing the shield, so it's kind of yeah. all right. But that's what was, the episode was for. It was a good fight. It was a well-choreographed fight. There weren't many scenes where I was like, huh? Because it was yeah. actually well-choreographed, and whoever put that scene together, uh, kudos. I even liked the fact... I, I liked how they destroyed Bro- Sam's wings. They destroyed Sam's wings, and the only way to get the shield away from Walker was to literally break his arm. Right. That like felt that felt justified. Yeah, yeah. Which I kind of took the next sentence. And this out, was but... one of the ones where I was kind of like, I, I'm, I'm actually happy with them play, portraying Walker as the the bad guy because in this case he was, you know. And I know the last scene of the last, everybody's like, he's the bad guy there. I'm like, remember PTSD, all those crazy things. And we kind of walked you know? the first few minutes of this episode of him running away and we having like weird flashbacks. Well, he's having flashbacks, right. To and Hopkins. That's why I'm saying, you know. Yeah, it just took me a se- it, it took me to like the third to... watch to understand that whole Right, I think people need to take that into account when you're watching John Walker. Don't hate the guy. Understand what's going on with the guy. So, as you said, the next uh, sentence of Snop says, Wilson and Barnes take the shield, breaking Walker's arm. Barnes finds Zemo in Sokovia and hands him over to the Dora Milaje yep. while Walker receives the an other-than-honorable discharge and is stripped of his title as Captain America. Also stripped of his benefits, which I kind of feel like well, we'll talk you're about already that in getting kicked in the knees so, now. Slap across the face. Baron Zemo. Yeah. Handed over the Dora Milaje instead of handed back to... What was uh, the, Tony Stark's facility there? The no, that wasn't the that wasn't the raft. It, oh, he okay. was in a, just a regular prison. Was he in a regular prison? He was in a regular prison, I think, in Switzerland or something like that. He was basically he, he was in the think, same prison that Bucky was in. In a different. Do you think so, that was Bucky's room. way of paying back what he what was owed for his arm and all the stuff that they did for him, the Dormelage? I think it was more akin to he promised the Dormelage he would give them. Okay. I thought it might be Zemo, payback for yeah. all the work on the well, armor, no, too. In the last episode, he told them, and then after a certain amount of time, they show up, say, hey, we're here for Zemo. We need him now. And they fought to keep Zemo because they're not done. Yeah. And then Zemo escaped, and he felt guilty, so he handed him over to Dormelage, who just took him to the raft. 
So let's talk about Walker's discharge. And other than honorable discharge, by the way, that's very rare if you've ever heard of that. I, Usually honorable discharges is what's given. Or dishonorable. Or dishonorable it? discharge, right? I've never heard an other than honorable discharge. So what does that mean? I'm not quite really sure. Let me click on that little link and see yeah, what it says. Let's, let's go down I'm the rabbit of, hole here. I'm kind of curious what that means. Okay. So an other than honorable discharge represents a significant departure from the conduct and performance expected of all military members. Generally, in order to receive VA benefits and services, the veteran's character of discharge or service must be under other than dishonorable conditions, i.e. honorable, under honorable conditions, or in general, as stated by law. However, individuals receiving an other than honorable or bad conduct discharge will have their service reviewed, and if can, uh, certain, if can, uh, sorry, if, Certain statutory and regulatory bars do not apply. They will be allowed access to VA benefits and services. Well, as you said, they basically say they not only gave him an other than honorable discharge, but they're basically like they really uh, gave him a slap across the face. We're taking your stripped, right? yeah, you're 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 stripped of your title and your benefits, and it's kind of like, oh, and that's where I kind of told you that I felt like they took it a step too far, right? So, like, yeah. if you're talking about, listen, I get it. The guy beat a guy with a Captain America shield. You never want to see blood on that. That's America's yeah, shield. Yeah, and it was I also it. recorded for the whole world to see Correct. because, you know, there's 80 million people but watching. But you know what? Let the guy have his dignity and at least let him serve out his retirement in peace. I think if you would have done that, you wouldn't have had what happens after this. With and I don't think you would have the problem that's going to get created okay. later on. So afterward, Walker is approached by Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Can't believe I can say that all. <laughs> that is a long name. It kind of feels like he's approached by Elaine Bennis, um, by the way. <laughs> and <laughs> she offers to help him and leaves behind a blank card. Uh, I felt like you did. Like I'm like, <laughs> hold, hold it, it up, up to the, the light. Yeah, like, hold it up to the fire. Heat it up and see if it'll pop up some numbers or something, you know? Um don't worry, so, it's quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I do wonder where we're going to go with, what did they call it? Val. We're supposed to call her Val. Yeah. But, but we're only supposed to think it. Don't actually yeah, say don't it. don't actually say it. Because I hate being called Val. And yeah. It's kind of like, so I, I think, like college? <laughs> my, my theory is here, and I think my son agrees with me that this is the Viper. This is the- uh, Madam Viper, Madam yeah. Viper. And she's building a new- Avengers, but I'm saying that with air quotes for you people in audio. Well, Dark Avengers. Avengers. But she's really building the Dark Avengers. Right, yeah. It's either that. So there's two things I think she could be building. She could be building the Dark Avengers. I think it's a possibility she might actually be doing that Circus of Madness or whatever. What's that called? The Circus of Crime. Circus of Crime. What she is might... Circus of Madness? Sorry. I think that's every circus. Well, that might be DC Comics' version of it. I don't remember. But <laughs> the Circus of Crime, might it might. You know, you could potentially pull Hawkeye and some others into that. I don't know. We'll see how where they go with that. It'll be interesting to see what they do with her. Now, she does pop up, for those who don't know it, in the Black Widow movie. So, you know, there's it's interesting. It's interesting where they're going with that. And by the way, because of her showing up in the, the Black Widow movie, the current Black Widow shows up in the Hawkeye TV series. So there is kind of a domino effect with her. Yeah. She's playing an important role already in, yeah. in Phase 4. We're just not sure what it is. Yeah. Going on, Wilson leaves the damaged wingsuit with Torres and visits Bradley, who states his belief that a black man cannot and should not be Captain America. Which is really, like, this portion of the episode, as much as I love Isaiah Bradley's story, mm-hmm. it... It slowed the episode down to a screech. It did a little bit. It was kind of sad, this, actually, this, to hear what happened to this man. The episode starts really fast with the fight scene yep. with Walker and 
Barnes and Wilson, and we we get to the point where we can I just say what would have improved this scene? Some instead of him just talking about it, flashbacks. Actually, do some flashbacks with yeah. him in the suit. Yeah, and that and would being be an experimented. Awesome thing. If they just showed him being experimented on and stuff like that, I actually think it would have done two things. First off, it would have given you something to look at that wouldn't have seemed so slow. Mm-hmm. And I also think it would have like it would have helped kind of clarify in your head what we're talking about when it comes to torturing him. And poking and prodding him, and like, what does that look like? Well, it, why not do it? You it's know, it's kind of like in the comic books they showed it in, in cells, yeah. several cells. Yeah, but that's because comic books you can do that. They I get didn't it. have this film, so they just like, oh, we'll just have him talk about it and have so it looks like it's. But like, I, th- I think you could have shown it. I really yeah. think it would have helped out this part of the storyline. I agree with you. The middle yeah. started to drag because of this. Yeah, and, and the whole like. I had somebody who was waiting for me, and she's sending me letters, but they never got to me because they decided not to give them to me. I'm like. First off, dick move. Second off, this is going to make me sound insensitive, not a huge detail. Yeah, kind of a it, don't care. You know, that happened to a lot of people in World War II. It's not like you got... Well, it was... So if you're he on was the in front, a prison... He wasn't even in a prison camp. He was in prison in the States. No, I get it. I understand that. I'm saying that it's happened to other military people, right? If you're on the front lines, you don't get your mail right away. I'm sorry. It's just the way it happens. And if you're in jail cells, sometimes you and don't I get, get it. your mail. Yeah, so I get it. It sucks he didn't get his mail, but I was kind of like, okay, but you were being tortured. That's more yeah. important than the fact that you weren't getting your mail. Like, yeah. why did that become a thing? And that was where it was. I was. Yeah, it was kind of weird, that, mm-hmm. that whole. Okay, so going on. Wilson returns home and helps fix the family boat with assistance from several locals and Barnes, who delivers a briefcase from the Wakandans to Wilson. Of course, we all kind of really have a pretty good idea what's in that briefcase. Yeah. But, you know, that whole scene is kind of cool. I actually liked the idea that we have this, like, hey, we're going to call up all of the favors that mom and dad needed from the community to get the boat going. Yeah. So that was a, that was I, actually, I loved that part of the storyline. It was, yeah, a it was like a nice like, community build thing, right? right? And that was actually made the episode a little bit better better i mean like i yeah. said the very first part it was really high paced that battle was mm-hmm. amazing that fight was amazing and then i kind of felt like we kept slowing and slowing and slowing as the whole thing went on yeah but we got the episode and we got that point where like oh we're gonna need more guys get the engine off and then bucky comes over i want to have the weird flex thing like yeah you're welcome weird flex bro or like <laughs> i thought it would have been cool when he reached over and he grabbed off the side you know the metal piece right off the side of the boat i even yeah. said it to you tonight I would have loved to have Sam go. Um, I will. I, I loosened, loosened it for man. you. You know, like <laughs> I made it loose. I, you made, know. I made your job easy. Yeah, there could have been some humor that was thrown in here. That you could wasn't. have had that. They had Bucky go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to say to make yeah. you sleep at night, make you yourself feel better, by. dude. You know, something. There <laughs> could have been been, some. There just, could have been some more yeah, humor added little, in there. But the, the humor was there. It was just not verbal. It was right. definitely more uh, visual was, gag. Yeah, it was definitely coverted. Barnes and Wilson train with the shield and agree to move on from their past and work together. We have so, these like almost therapeutic speeches back and forth to each do. other. And it's yep. kind of like what what happened to the show of I was fighting? Like, yeah, I was kinda like, where's hug it fighting? out, bro. Just hug it out. You know, where's like the fighting? I, I came and to the show. And then we got our eighties montage video of working <laughs> out with the shield, you know. With the Captain America like epic theme. Duh, Although duh, I was I was sitting there thinking about this as as you know, later on you were walking the dog, I thought I wouldn't have had my kids around while I was working with the shield. Because we talked about the dangers of, of missing the shield yourself, right? Like decapitating your own head or whatever, right? Well, there goes that, Captain America. You, Here, bring in the next one. Could you imagine if you, like, accidentally got out of control and the shield decapitated a kid? Ooh. Like... Right? Like, why were the kids hanging around? I've been like, get out of here. Like, I could kill you because I'm almost killing myself. 
are you crazy? You know, like, I don't know. Well, my favorite is, is he wakes up one morning, the kids are playing around with it, and he goes, hey, and they're like, quick, put it away, put it away. Yeah. We got caught. And I'm kind of sitting here going, the shield is not a toy. And then I brought up a point to you that I was kind of like, I bet nobody's thought about this. Mm-hmm. Does Bucky Barnes sleep with his metal arm on? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, this is an yeah. honest question. Because that has got to hurt. Can you imagine in the middle of the night? Because I lean on my arm. And I, I, I'm sure some of you do when you sleep. Could you imagine leaning over and it's your metal arm? Tonk. Ah, son of a. I mean, like, I can't imagine, you know. Well, I'm thinking you take it off and that side just feels weird. So then you're sitting on the arm joint thing. So you're just like, hmm. Yeah, you're sitting on your nib. <laughs> <laughs> it feels kind of nibby over there, but okay. I can't roll over. I'm, like, I'm stuck like that a turtle. That can't be good for your mattress. There's probably a little hole right where the nib is. I don't know. You broke the springs. Right, yeah. Springs sticking out. <laughs> okay, so these are the stupid things I think of when I'm watching a TV show. Oh, you and I have the same mind to do the thing <laughs> Going on. So the Flag Smashers plan an attack on a GRC conference in New York City and are joined by Batrock, whom Carter has secretly hired. All I know is these but guys But it's not are really... Carter is it, that secretly hires him. Yeah. It's technically, technically it's the broker. Yeah, but it's We Carter. just don't know that the broker's Carter yet. But I still love the fact this this group is really well organized. Well, they, have like a, said, they have a personal app design that they can like flick on and go, hey, we're going like to over you. here. They're the they're the, the, the Marvel version in, of Antifa. Come on, Antifa's organized. Well, how do you think they show up with bricks with okay. How do pallets of bricks just suddenly get dropped off during a riot? I'm sorry. They order Amazon drones to drop right, them off. Right, right. <laughs> Amazon bricks for riots, please. Thank you. Please hold. <laughs> bricks I, for really? riots are us. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the video of the truck that pulls up that has all the banners and the shields and everything on it? No. And they yell at everybody. Yeah, like a, a rider truck pulls up next to a bunch of people riding. They go, come on, quick, quick, quick. And all of a sudden, the Antifa guys, all of them, all dressed in black, right? They run up, they throw a bunch of shields out, they throw a bunch of banners out, and in amongst all that stuff are, like, clubs and weapons and stuff like that. Pallets of Like, within five minutes, that stuff's dropped off, the van takes off, and suddenly the whole crowd has it. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you can't tell me that's not organized, that you can drop off an entire rider truck worth of equipment in, like, ten minutes, and it's suddenly dispersed amongst the crowd. I think it was in Chicago, if I remember correctly. That sounds like some Umbrella Corps thing, like... All right, we've Doesn't created it though. We, I mean, we've created the zombie briars here. Here's some yep. guns. We're gonna yep. drive away now. Yeah, so, have fun. <laughs> so going on. So we so we get our Antifa moment. Flag smashers are totally you know organized. What is ready the bird call she's using? Because it sounds. I'm not even really sure to be honest with it. That I don't know. I was like, what bird does that? You know, like if you're going, well, I kind of feel like you know something like that. But like, all I, don't I know, know is it kind of feel like right out of the Hobbit. Who twice like a barn owl and once like a, <laughs> a prairie I'm like owl. The only thing that could have made it more obvious <laughs> if you went, ka, ka. You know, Ricola. Like, yeah. <laughs> Ricola. No, that's out of robots. And they're like, w- do you have a cough? <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> no. Out of the movie Robots, Rob Williams' character tries to do a signal, so he does the caca, oh, does caca, he really? and he does the Ricola. Okay, all right. We'll use that as the signal. <laughs> it's just like the so, stupid thing he does. So finally, the episode, this episode actually ended on a mid credit scene. So in a mid credit scene, I had to go Walker builds a new shield from scrap metal and his war medals. What's that? <laughs> I was walking the dog during the one. Oh, during this yeah. part, yeah. And so, so I have a question. Yes. If you're melting down metals and scrap metal and <laughs> making a shield, does that mean that the the shield has honor? 
maybe melted on her. <laughs> but I Broke did think about her. this. Like, what was he thinking making his own shit? I mean, you have to know. I mean, I am Captain America. Yeah, but it's not. You know, it's not the ad, not adamantium. What is it? Vibranium. It's a vibranium that, adamantium that the shields, mix. Right. The, the shield's made out of. So what are you thinking? Like, what do you think you're going to do? That'd be like me going out and getting one of those metal like sleds. You know what I'm talking about? Right. <laughs> Putting yeah. two straps on it and being like, ha ha, I'm going to be able to use that as a Captain America shield. Metal and then like the first lid. bullet that goes through <laughs> the shield, you're going to be like. Well, that sucked. Uh, you know, like, what are you thinking? Like, you got to know that's not, yeah, not good. Well, I'm going to be like, uh, it would be more funny when I'm to a steelmaker. Hey, I got, I got something I needed to make, but uh, it can't be, can't be caught by taxes. Yeah, right. Or the government. <laughs> or anything. Or the government. He, he, nobody needs to know this is happening. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's go ahead and read this one like we always do and mm. talk about it a little bit. So go again, first. Uh, tens, uh, great. Uh, zeros don't bother. Yeah, you go ahead first since I did Eternals first. I'll drop it to a four. Okay. Episode kind of had good humor, and that's what saved it from being at a three. Mm-hmm. It felt kind of meandering, except for that first fight scene, which kept it at that four. But it didn't press into the five because we didn't get to see some of the things I was waiting for that we get to see in the last episode, which I will leave for that. Having the philosophical lesson of Wilson telling Barnes to move on and Barnes telling Wilson, we never planned on making it feel like the shield didn't belong to you. And then kind of was like, all right, are we going to hug this out Fuller House style and move on or are we going to fight? Mm. <laughs> kind of wanted the fight club. We don't talk about fight club. So I would give this one a six. Oh, it wasn't awful. No, but. Like, okay, the only reason it's a six for me is because of that beginning fight scene. Uh, if the, if the yeah. fight scene weren't there, it probably would have been a four for me. The one thing I didn't mention here was the discussion between, they didn't mention it at all, between Walker and what's the other guy's name? Hopkins. Hopkins' family, the, the yeah. parents, right? There, yeah. was, there was kind of an emotional discussion there. I think that needed to be had. I was kind of glad that happened in the movie, in, in the TV show. I wish it happened earlier in the episode. That's what I was about to say. It should have happened a little bit earlier. Like, we get I, done with the scenes with him getting court-martialed and talking to Val, mm-hmm. and then drop it in. I like what happened to Zemo. I think that was yeah. fitting. I did not like the dishonorable discharge, but we're not supposed to like that, so I was okay with that. I liked the... Uh, Valentina showing up that that was perfectly fine. I really think the whole center section with the boat, all that that Could was have been like a montage of five minutes. Right, that was way too long. And honestly, I think we I would have rather spent more time on Bradley and give me actual scenes showing Bradley in the suit, getting you know experimented on, having being injected with the the formula. You know, why did it work for him? What happened to him? You know, why? I wanted, I would want a little, you know, a little more. And I think that if they would have gone into that a little more, you would have gotten me on that. And the Flag Smashers plan, if you'd have showed me a little more about what they're, they're planning, just to get me pumped up for the last maybe even show episode, I would have been all over it. Maybe even show the scene of where he talks about where he and uh, Bucky went at it as the Winter Soldier. And yeah. And have a scene between that Bradley. That flashback would have worked. That would have been awesome. Yep. And have the narration just be something that's in the background. Keep the audio. Yep. Give us some other visuals. Yep. And have an epic fight scene just at the end of the episode, right before we have the Flag Smasher situation. 
cut so, out the boat. The boat so, is kind of meh. Like, so there was this potential, but that's why I'm giving it a six. Like, there was potential, but it just didn't reach the potential. I feel like it that, wasn't awful, but it definitely was a filler episode, and it felt like a filler episode. It wasn't as bad as the droids episodes in no. Clone Wars, but that's, it kind of felt. That's like saying watching paint dry on the walls is so much better than putting up plaster. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So those are our thoughts on episode five of the Falcon and Winter Soldier title Truth. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at galaxycast at gmail.com. You can let us know on Facebook. You can let us know on Twitter. You can let us know on Gab. You can find, let us know on MeWe. You can find us on YouTube and comment. You can find us on Rumble and comment. Click that, you know, like, notification bell, share the videos, all that good stuff. This is the way. We have one more episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier to review. And I know you're all like, oh, my gosh, these are so old. But that's okay. That's why Disney Plus keeps these things on their streaming platform. Then we're going to get into Book of Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett. And I know there's a lot of people with opinions about that. But you know what? We're going to give you our opinions about that. So we'll get into Book of Boba Fett. Uh, with all of that said, as we like to say here in the Star Productions studios, may the force be with those who listen. Did I kill a billion Shatterpoints just because my dad absolutely loves them? So all I'm going to say is for all of you who love the Eternals, piss off. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the GalaxyCast. We hope the show enlightened you on some of the latest stories in the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and cosplay. We appreciate your time and we also value your opinion. We'd love to hear from you. Please take some time to send us your feedback at our email, which is galaxycast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us via social media. Just head on over to Facebook or Twitter and search the word GalaxyCast, all one word, and leave us some comments. If you want to see some behind the scenes of our production, head on over to YouTube and search GalaxyCast there as well. You will find us under our Star Productions banner. The GalaxyCast podcast can also be found online at GalaxyCast.com or through your podcast aggregators like the Apple Store or Spotify. The Galaxy Cast is a production by Star Productions. Themed commercials within this episode are also written and produced by Bob Chrisman through Star Productions, all rights reserved. Music from the intro and outro of the Galaxy Cast can be found online at www.silvermansound.com. Intro music is titled Switch Me On, and outro music is titled The Gatekeepers. You can find links in our show notes. Until next time, Galaxy Cast fans. Follow the first star to the right and straight on till morning.